0: Girlfriends, episode number 324, Living the Feminine Genius with Lisa Cotter. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we are talking with special guest author Lisa Cotter. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this episode of The Girlfriends Podcast. If this is your first time listening, I want to give you a special welcome. Thank you for checking us out. I hope you're going to like what you find here and want to become a regular member of The Girlfriends community. Every week before I record the podcast, I pray for the listeners of this podcast. So if you're listening, you've been prayed for. Doesn't that feel good? I'm glad you're here. Okay, so we're talking with Lisa Cotter today about The Feminine Genius. She's got this great new book, Living the Feminine Genius, that's out from Ascension. And it was really interesting for me to have this conversation with Lisa, because then just a couple of weeks later, my daughter Gabrielle, who is a freshman at Ave Maria University, she sent me a text and she was like, what resources can you recommend for me? Like she she listed a bunch that she had already read, but she was like, really just wanna learn more about the feminine genius, what that means. And I had just talked to Lisa, so I was able to quickly send her the link to Lisa's book so that she could check it out. Um, but also I was thinking, this is something a lot of us kind of wonder about maybe, and especially a, a young woman like my daughter or someone who's just coming into the church this idea of feminine genius, like, what does that mean? That's a weird phrase. So, you know, it comes from St. John Paul II and his teachings on the dignity of women. And, you know, I think sometimes it's tempting to think that the feminine genius, where we're talking about these unique gifts and strengths that we have as women, we're, we're tempted to think of it as almost limiting. Like, there's one right way to be a Catholic woman, and it looks like this fill in the blank of your favorite, you know, Catholic celebrity instagrammer or whatever. Like it has to look like this. But part of the beauty and the joy of exploring all the different ways that that women contribute to the church and um in their marriages and their families and the workplaces is discovering all of the unique ways that our feminine genius is expressed. So really is a beautiful thing and Lisa does a great job with it in her book and in our conversation just talking about the different ways that we experience the feminine genius as women. What that means? What are our unique strengths? What are these things that we have in common? And in what ways are we sometimes tempted to kind of twist them into something that's a negative uh, for ourselves or for the people in our lives? And um, what ways are we called to use our gifts and strength to love and serve the people that God places in our lives. I think it's a beautiful conversation to have, a wonderful thing to explore, no matter what age or stage of womanhood you are in. And Lisa was a fascinating person to talk to about exactly that. Take a listen. Joining me here today on Girlfriends is Lisa Cotter. Lisa Cotter is a leading Catholic speaker and author known for her practical insights on relationships, femininity, and living life with excellence. She has served Focus as a family for over 10 years. Lisa hosted the popular How to Catholic podcast and traveled widely as a presenter at Seek, Steubenville Conferences, NCYC, and more. Lisa lives in Denver, Colorado with her husband, Kevin, and their four children. And her newest project is her book review. Feel the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius, which is now available from Ascension Press. Welcome to Girlfriends, Lisa Cotter. I'm so excited that you're here.
1: Oh, thank you, Danielle. I'm so excited to be here too.
0: Yeah, it's about time you came on Girlfriends. I don't know why we haven't had you before. I'm such a fan of your work. And I'm really excited about this book. So for people who might not be familiar with you and your work, maybe you can just share with us a little bit about your background and how you got started in ministry in the first place.
1: Yeah, you bet. I mean, well, I think you kind of put it in the uh, intro there. A uh, big part of it was focus, those right. 10 years in focus that we were in. Yeah, such a gift, such a joy and it's light to be in focus. And in those early years, you know, we would have these conferences and they just needed bodies. They just needed people who were willing <laughs> to get up and give a talk. Right. <laughs> so right. as staff, we would submit these talks and... So I did some of those talks in those early years, um, you know, got like a thank you card and like, a, here's some ice cream money, you know, and um, it just kind of, yeah, yeah it just kind of rolled from there. You know, it was a lot of just like right place at right time. It was never my goal or my vision to be a Catholic speaker and author. I thought, you know, we'd have lots of kids and we'd homeschool and we were doing that and it was great. And mm-hmm. I still do a lot of those things. We don't homeschool anymore, but I still do a lot of those things. Um, but then on the side, God was like, well... I'm going to have you do this too. So you say yes when God says go. Right,
0: right. Oh, I love that. And I love that you've said yes to all that you have. Um, Most especially this newest book, which is available from Ascension called Reveal the Gift, which is a look at feminine genius. And you know, uh, this is a topic that we Catholic women cannot get enough of. And I I love the take that you have here in this book. Maybe share with us a little bit about what the book is and like, why did you feel called to write this book right now?
1: Yeah, so it was about 10 years ago um, that Focus asked me to give a talk to all the women at the conference on authentic femininity. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, why did they ask me to do that? I don't know what to say. (laughs) Like, what are you saying? Right. And, but yeah, and I was a little afraid of what the church said. I was like, oh no, what if, like, what if I find out that what the church says it means to be a woman is like not at all what I wanted them to say? (laughs) And then. Awkward. Yeah. It's like I know. So I avoided the topic until it was staring me in the face. And I thought, okay, well, they asked, and I've told the Lord I'd say yes when he asks. And so I said yes, and I mm-hmm. just started to research, and I realized that what I thought the church taught on femininity was not fully correct. Right. <laughs> and it was a relief um, because I had some visions in my mind that were, you know— not at all accurate. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I gave that talk. And then since then, I've wanted to write this book, but I was kind of waiting for that moment for the Lord to say like, okay, now, you know? Right. And I, I, um, so I, I continued to speak on it. I've spoken several times. I've given this same uh, talk on authentic femininity at the SEEK conferences. And then it was just a couple years ago that I really felt this draw, like, okay, now's the time. Sit down, write the talk, or write the book. And I don't think I could have known that two years later, we'd be in this spot where really we've see- we're seeing like, one side where the world is saying, "Hey, gender has no purpose; it doesn't matter," mm-hmm. but then also on the other side, we're also having some d- debates right now about what is the woman's place in a church? In the church, you know, right? right. <laughs> and there's these two extremes, and here my book launches in the middle of all of this. And so I think it was just the Holy Spirit. God knew yeah. um, I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have thought, or had that foresight. Um, but it's a topic that's been been really near to my heart and so kind of the way I wanted to approach the book was I in my research I found a lot of really great academic works on the feminine genius mm-hmm. stuff that um You needed to have um, some knowledge of philosophical concepts and theological concepts to comprehend. Um, And then on the other side, I was seeing a lot of stuff coming out that was very um, practical, very like experiential, which is beautiful Mm -hmm. and great. But I wanted to bring the two together. I wanted a book that was really accessible for any woman to pick up and read and be able to understand it but also to be able to apply it. And so that was really kind of the goal of the book, using the great words of John Paul II, his great works, pulling out what he said and some of his contemporaries as well. And then also taking the lives of the saints to draw out some of these gifts that we have as women and then applying it really, really practically and saying, okay, so how can this gift go wrong? Right? Because sometimes our greatest yes. gifts can become our greatest like enemies. Sure. <laughs> so how can course. it go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So how can it go wrong? And then what can we do about it? How do we remedy that? How do we um, not allow this gift to be twisted, but use it in the way that it was intended to be used? And that's Kind of the heart of the book
0: yeah, yeah
1: okay. so th- just going back just a little bit,
0: I loved what you said about how you had these misconceptions about what it means to be a Catholic woman or what Catholic teaching might be because I think there are a lot of people in that place like almost you don't want to look too close at it because it might be uncomfortable. Um, could you maybe just share a, a couple of those like what you were thinking or what other people you know have shared with you that they were thinking and and what you know what's surprising surprised by this truth in in what the che- teaching of the church is?
1: Yes. I think I had this vision that being a Catholic woman meant that you had to um, kind of be a doormat to your husband, Mm -hmm. and your job was to be in the kitchen cooking food and having babies and— some people like they love cooking food and having babies, and that's wonderful. I have mm-hmm. no troubles with that whatsoever. Right. Um. And I, I, I have babies. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got four of them. Um. And you know, I've learned how to cook food. Um. It's something I enjoy. <laughs> right. But like, I thought these things were like intrinsic to femininity. Mm-hmm. And like, if I wasn't these things, and if I didn't cry, I thought crying was really important to being a woman for some reason. I thought like you had to. <laughs> for
0: some of us, it is. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But I thought it was like the mark of a woman, you know, like you cried over sappy movies and things. And Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't identify with that. Like, I'm not a big crier. I'm not a super emotional woman. And so there were all of these things that I had projected onto what a Catholic woman was supposed to be. And some of it was from the church, but honestly, some of it was from my community around me. I would look at other women and I would think, oh, I'm supposed to be like that. Ugh, but I'm not so I guess I'm doing this wrong. I guess right. I'm not good at this. I'm guessing I'm not feminine enough mm-hmm. and i I kind of wrote this story for myself um and, and what I found was that, yes, there are some qualities that are are like foundational to every woman, but the way that you express those qualities, those gifts, there was a much bigger field to play on than I had ever imagined. Yeah. I thought it was this tight knit pigeonholed. This is exactly how it's supposed to look like you're supposed to wear, you know, this kind of cardigan and use this kind of planner <laughs> and, you know, have these kinds of Catholic products in your house or you're doing it wrong. Right. And right. I and I I saw as I read JP2's works like, oh no, the the like I said, the field is so much bigger. And the way that you express those feminine gifts that are foundational is so vast and wide. And that's where I took a breath and I realized like, okay, I can be me and my womanhood doesn't have to look just like hers. Yes. And the church is good with that. In fact, the church encourages that. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. That you have a unique vocation as a Catholic woman. And yes, we have these things in common, but I love how you you shared that it's really about how how those those qualities are expressed in you. Like some of the some of the core strengths we have as women, yeah, we have in common. But it's going to look different the way that I use those strengths in my life compared to the way it's going to look in your life compared to like my grandmother, and you know. So th- I think recognizing that is is a hard thing, especially as a young woman. I think there's a lot of pressure, like you just described. I can relate to that, especially early on in my marriage, where it was like, oh, it, there's one right way, and it looks like you know. Susie down the street and... I can't do it. Like I can't fit in that box and it's uncomfortable. Or I feel like I need to like force myself to dress a certain way or talk a certain way or, and, you know, and, and depending on where you live and what kind of community you're in, that, that could, that pressure could be really big, really strong or not at all. Um, but I think it is a common thing that we experience as women. And one of the neighborhoods we all hang out in, or many of us hang out in is social media. Um, could, right. could you talk a little bit about that? Like what, what are you seeing as you're engaging people uh, online? about feminine genius what what kinds of uh, pushback are you feeling or what what kinds of extremes are you experiencing that people are going through
1: well that's a great question um You know, I think there's, you know, always going to be these mommy wars and debates, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of tend to flock to people who are like us. And so it's like, oh, well, you should homeschool or you should send your kids to Catholic school or you should send your kids to public school and let them be a witness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do, (laughs) you kind of see (laughs) that debate come up, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and we've done both. We've homeschooled and we sent our kids to Catholic school. um, And both were right for us in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. I don't regret those years we homeschooled. I don't regret that our kids are in school right now. Right. Um, because that's what's best for our family at this time. Every kid, every year. Right. So you mm-hmm. see that. You also see those debates of, oh, well, should I be a working mom? Should I be a stay at home mom? Should I be a stay at home wife? Um, mm-hmm. Should I not try to build a career because, well, maybe one day I'm going to get married and then I want to stay home? I mean, these are topics, you know, that I see women struggling with and wrestling yes. over and they want to do it right. And I, understand that completely. None of us want to look back on our life and go, oh, I should have done this instead, or feel that mm-hmm. weight of, oh, I misdiscerned. Like that's a terrible feeling. Sure. Um but sometimes it ends up with projecting like, well, because this is right for me, it's right for everybody. Right. Yes. <laughs> like Yeah, that's the difficulty. Yes. Yeah. I love that
0: our church is so wise, right? Our our mama church is so wise because she doesn't place those burdens on us that sometimes other people will by saying there's one right way and it looks like this very broad the the sphere mm-hmm. that women are invited into very broad the diversity of the the ways in which we we might be called to use our gifts in the world and then i one thing i can know now that i'm a mom of a certain age is that it does change over time, you know, like when you're young, it's hard to see this vision, like it's run one right way. And it's going to be like this forever, you know, like maybe you felt like that about homeschooling. Um, but has that been your experience mm-hmm. as well as your, your children are, are changing yeah. and growing older and like your family is evolving. And that's something that's a beautiful, a beautiful gift that you the ways that you use your gifts change over time as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I had a vision for what my family was going to look like. I thought we were going to have a kid every two years. I got married at 21. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to have 10 kids, right? Yeah, so right. I geared up for that. And then God totally surprised us. And we had we had our first two kids two years apart. And then there was a five-year gap before our third kid came. Wow. And we were open to life that whole time and um, come to find out that I have a couple of different medical issues. Um, I mean, I I PCOS and Hashimoto's, and wow. that was making it difficult to be able to conceive again. But we didn't understand it at the time. And then all of a sudden, God gives us another. Five years later, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, thank you, Lord. You know, right. and I thought, okay, that's going to be it because I've got these things that are you know going against me. And then five years later, we had another. You know, so right. it's like, you can't. I've got that. these. No. And so homeschooling for us all of a sudden really wasn't working because literally right now I have a high schooler, a junior higher, a grade schooler and a preschooler. Yeah. That's so nobody's funny. running together. Yeah, nobody's right, right. working in the same sphere. Yeah. yeah. I'm teaching one how to drive. I'm teaching the other how to use the potty. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> I think that's chaotic. beautiful. But you're
0: bringing your feminine yeah. genius to all of that. So getting yes. back to the the theme of the book, which is the feminine genius, um, you know, so w- Some of these strengths, like you alluded to, can, if you, if you not using them properly. And sometimes the temptation is to use them selfishly or, you know, use them in a kind of secular way or something like that or something with a worldly goal. Um, Maybe you could give us an example of one of these because, you know, I'm I'm sure there are people listening. They're like, okay, I've heard about this feminine genius. I don't really get what they're talking about. But just to put it into concrete terms, maybe you can talk about one of our unique gifts that we have as women and some of the different ways that might play out in someone's life.
1: Yeah. I think I think one thing that might be helpful to mention here is that I think part of the reason we have such a hard time with defining the feminine genius is because JP2 himself never defined it. Right. And I think sometimes we think he did, or you know, we hear people talk about it and you're like, oh okay. So he must have said that, like he himself never came out and said, "Here's the feminine genius." And right. so it can be a little confusing when we're trying to understand or comprehend what is this again? When am how am I supposed to be doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the easiest definition or the one that I like the most comes from Sister Prudence Allen, um, and it's philosophical, so I won't read it. But really, what it comes down to, it's it's the feminine genius is the person oriented disposition of woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's this idea, right, that we. See people with our hearts, and yes. that we have this gift to be able to not see people as objects, or what can I get from them, or how can they be useful to me. But we see their souls; we see them as people, and we desire to help them to grow and to mature and to become who it is that they were created to be. And we want to nourish, and that's that's a beautiful thing. And the way we do that, right, going to be vast. How we live right. that—you don't have to just be a physical mother to do this. In mm-hmm. fact, we're all called to do this, right? Right. So. Yeah, so I think you know when I think of the the foundational gifts, really, I mean, we're looking at maternity and receptivity because these mm-hmm. are the things that are written on our body, and from that flow, and this is this is the way that I've understood it or the way that I've wrapped my mind around it, right? So we have these kind of foundational pieces that are written on our bodies, right? Written on our souls, I should say, and mm-hmm. revealed through our bodies, and then from that flow, these other gifts that are just necessary <laughs> because if we're tasked with this this um, call, right, to mm-hmm. care for the world. JP2 would often talk about that, right? right. We're going to need these other gifts. And so some of these other gifts I drew out are things like strength, right? It takes mm-hmm. a lot of strength to be in charge of caring for the world. Yeah, right. That's a <laughs> you got to be on your game, right? Yeah, <laughs> to take care, and take care of the world. Um, and I think that's one that, I mean, I, gosh, I'd, I'd land on that one for a minute here. One that I'm seeing more and more, especially in this time, I'm seeing gosh, the strength of women and how Mm -hmm. amazing it is that in adversity and in the hardest times, we rise up, we take care of people. And lately, um, I'm always looking for the good, right? So as we're watching um, this war going on in the Ukraine, right, there's this amazing image, I'm guessing you saw it, where these mothers were leaving strollers at the depot. And I'm like, oh, look at that feminine genius, right? Like in action, yes. Yes, like what do we need, right? Using that feminine intuition that we have, mm-hmm. that sensitivity towards the needs of others. These things that are just like innate in us because they're necessary. They're needed when you're when you are um, capable of becoming a mother. It's given to you, whether or right. not you become a mother or not, we've got the capabilities, right? And so right. you see it lived out in beautiful, beautiful ways. And so, um, yeah, just seeing that strength of like these moms who are, you know, in these crazy times, Mm -hmm. taking care of their children, taking care of their communities um, across nations, you know, you're seeing people from other nations welcoming these families in, these refugees in, and how do we take care of them? I just, I think it's a beautiful testament to the gift of womanhood and how it's lived out.
0: Yeah, that that is so beautiful. I, I love that story. I love that example. Um, but okay, so we're talking about the gifts of women in particular, but our culture not only gets that wrong, it kind of gets the whole difference between the sexes thing wrong, right? Where by, you know, making, by saying, you know, men and women are equal, it doesn't, have to mean that they're the same, right? So there are, there are ways that our, our culture kind of messes that up for sure, or they'll say that the differences don't matter at all. So w- what, in what ways does your book address that? The, the, how, do, how we can understand the ways that men and women are equal in dignity before God, but that we are very different?
1: Yes, the idea of complementarity, right? To mm-hmm. use the, the philosophical term here, the idea right. that like we, we complement each other, right? Um, and I think there's so many beautiful things that both John Paul II and Benedict and others, I'm sure, wrote on this idea of this complementarity and this idea that, um, we are called to I mean, fundamentally, right, our call as men and women is is the same. We're called to love God. We're called to love our neighbors. We're mm-hmm. called to share him, right? right? But the ways in which we do those, n- just kind of innately, naturally, you're going to see some differences in the way we do this. And I guess to give an example from my book, because really, it's honestly the best example I can give of complementarity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagine that it's the middle of the night and you hear someone break into your house, right? <laughs> and you're like... Oh my gosh, so you and your husband, okay, so you're married with little kids, okay, so you got to paint the picture here. Yep. Somebody breaks in and you spring up out of bed. Like my husband's first thought is grab a weapon, go confront the bad guy. Right. My first thought is go get the kids, right? Right. In that moment, we both go into protector mode, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that these gifts are exclusive and like, well, only men are called to protect, right? We right. hear that a lot with men, like protect your provider, right? Yes. Um, no, like we're both called to all of these gifts, as Benedict would say, um, and I can get to that in just a minute. But the mm-hmm. idea is that like in that moment, working off of our complementary gifts, we're both using that same drive to protect, but we're doing it in our unique masculine and feminine way. And when we bring that together, it helps protect our family. Yeah. And I, I, just, I love that image because it shows we're, we're both called to a lot of these gifts. The way that we live them, though, is going to be unique. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. The fact that we balance each other out in the way that we think, in the way that we act, helps, as JP2 would say, make the world more human, which Mm -hmm. I think is just amazing to think about that. When the genders are working together, that's when we experience the fullness of humanity.
0: Right, right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautifully put. And I think it's so important to to say it that way, because sometimes you'll hear people push back against that and say, like, that's, you know, you're stereotyping, like saying all men are this way, all women are this way. Of course, we have natural tendencies uh, as a whole, and it's okay to recognize those. But I think it's important to do exactly what you did, point out that in each marriage, these things are going to be different, right? These are going to be different. I remember once I gave, I gave a talk that was really talking about the complementarity between the sexes. And a woman came up to me after and was like, I think I'm the man in our relationship. <laughs> like, You know, she just had that, that way of communicating <laughs> yeah. like we were talking about in very general terms. But so I think really what's important, especially with regard to your relationship, is to kind of understand the ways that you are different, even if it, the way you're different is different from the ways that your neighbors are different, right? Just recognizing that and valuing those, those differences as a real gift.
1: Yes. And I do. I think that's so important. And that's why, you know, we say like the way you express those gifts could look different, you know? Right. And I think we 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 falsely attribute certain stereotypes to one gender or the other sure. when actually those things are not intrinsic to your femininity, right? Like mm-hmm. cooking is not intrinsic to your femininity, right? Like that's a gender neutral activity, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. oftentimes we do see, you know, moms, women cooking because for some, that's an expression of their generosity, you know, like they enjoy. That's one way that they love to mother the world and nurture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that cooking is definitive of femininity itself right right so um, we can be a
0: very nurturing person and never cook anything like that <laughs> like,
1: yeah and that's okay right, that's really okay right, i exactly. yeah <laughs> i know lots of situations right where i was just um i was just talking to one of my professors i'm in grad school at the august institute and he was saying yeah in our family it's totally backwards i do all the cooking my wife takes care of all the cars and that's okay i'm like yeah absolutely <laughs> that's, that's okay exactly exactly i would um, i'd love that if my husband wanted to <laughs> some of the cooking <laughs> <laughs> invite him invite him to explore that <laughs> yes yeah I, sh- I will
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so in your book you you call on um some examples of some female saints so can you share with us some of your female saint heroes uh, when it comes to learning more about or exemplifying feminine genius
1: Yes. That was probably my favorite part of the research of the book. The academic part was like, okay, I'll do it because it needs to be done. (laughs) But (laughs) when it came to the stories, when it came to the examples, oh, I just... I loved it. So each each um, different chapter, right, each different gift that's brought forth has a saint that goes with it. And so I think of um, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton from maternity. She's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And I think sometimes we also, you know, put even our saints into a box and we see the bonnet and we think, yeah. oh, look at that school marm, you know? Yes, <laughs> it's like, oh, right. no, like she <laughs> lived a life. Like she is so relatable when you go back yes. and you read her whole story and you read her letters. Oh, yeah, my gosh. There's her letters so, were, so much
0: of her writing is available. Yeah.
1: Yes. And her letters, like they crack me up sometimes. The stuff she says and the way she talks about like her kids. And I'm like, yes, you're so normal. Oh, I love you. <laughs> um, so she's in there. Um, a couple of Servant of Gods who maybe are less known are in there. I really mm-hmm. wanted to kind of draw out some women that maybe we don't know as well. Um, so mm-hmm. one of them would be Kiara um, Corbella Petrio. Um, she is very dear to my heart. I heard about her just days, literally days after her funeral. I had two friends who were at her funeral who didn't even know each other. And they were both there. And they both oh, messaged wow. me and said, you got to know this girl's story, Lisa. And so I've been telling oh her story gosh. yeah, for, since months. I Months after she passed away it was the first time that I told her story. And so her story is, of course, in there. Um, she is my example of receptivity. She just had this amazing life where she received from God Everything, everything, whatever it was that he desired to give her, um, I don't want to give away too much of her story because it's so beautiful. You just yeah. got to go find yourself. Um, and then another one I, w- I would bring up. This is the last one I'll bring up is because I love the servant of gods because they're kind of the hidden gems, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, servant of God Julia Greeley, um, and she's my hometown hero. So she was here in Denver, and so as I was researching the book, it was really fun. I mapped out kind of my Julia Greeley pilgrimage, and <laughs> I dropped the big kids off at school, and then my my at the time he was like 18 months, my son, my youngest Isaac and I went and we went to her parish and we drove by the places where she lived and we went and visited her tomb, which she's the only tomb in our cathedral here in Denver, um, just right to the left of the altar, which is amazing. Wow. Um, but she has, yeah, super cool. So I was like, oh, I got to walk in the footsteps of my Julia. Um, but she's um, an amazing story of generosity. She was born into slavery and then was emancipated and came out to Denver to work as a hired servant. And uh, kind of the the summation of her story is that at night she would go around and secretly give to her community. So she would use her intuition and she would she would go around and visit all of the people in the neighborhood and find out what they needed. And then she would go beg for it. And then at night she would secretly take it and leave it at their door. And nobody knew about this. I mean, there were kind of, you know, some rumblings. But after she passed away. Thousands of people came by and streamed by her um, at her wake to say their goodbye and pay their respects. And people started talking and realizing, oh, Julia did that for you? She did that for me. And these stories started to surface about this immense hidden generosity of this this woman who was never married, never had children of her own, but just mothered the Denver community. And she was just amazing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow, what a great story. So yeah, that's a that's a beautiful example of a unique way that she lived yeah. out that feminine genius. Um so mm-hmm. one more thing that I think we should talk about is the importance of women connecting with other women, especially when it comes to building each other up in our femininity in and I, I always feel funny when I say something like that, building up in your femininity, because I know people are thinking, oh, hearts and flowers. Like, no, I'm not talking about that, right? <laughs> in in yeah. affirming your worth and your your unique dignity and your unique capacity for self-giving love as a woman, right, that th- this comes from your connection with other women in a unique way. And what's been your experience of that? And what are some ways that you might encourage people to to seek that out if they don't have that kind of community in your life?
1: Yes, I, you know, I think the first Thing to ask yourself is why? Like, Mm -hmm. why am I afraid of female companionship and friendship? What is it? And I think for a lot of us, we have hurts from the past, times where we've been burned by our sisters in the past, times where we've put ourselves out there and been rejected. And I I think that that then pushes us to say, well, okay, I'll just take care of me. I'll internalize. I'll kind of Mm -hmm. figure out how to do this on my own. When in reality, we were never made to do this alone, we were never made to try to walk this life as a woman, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're mm-hmm. single, whether you're married, whether you are a religious sister even, right? Like in any yeah. vocation stage, place of life, age, we need each other as women because men could maybe try to tell us how to be women, right? But they yeah. can't show us how to be women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right, That's right. an impossibility. So we need other women, especially um. I think really you need lots of types of women, right? Like those who are in the same stage of life as you, who Mm -hmm. are struggling with those same things and those same questions. And just to know, okay, I'm not crazy. (laughs) I'm not insane (laughs) that I feel this way. Right, you're not alone in the trenches, yeah. (laughs) That's right, you're not alone. Um, Whether those be the trenches of little babies or those trenches of, you know, full-time job going, Lord, what is it you desire for me? I want to, you know, discover my vocation. I want to grow where I'm planted right here, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, who knows, you know, what the Lord has called for you, but we want to be able to enter into those moments, you know, just, yeah, living in the midst of that. Um, You need other people to walk you through that. And then I think you also need people who are a few steps ahead of you, who can advise you not as the blind leading the blind, which is sometimes what happens when I, you know, reach out to my friends (laughs) in the same stage, (laughs) but as the ones who have made it across, you know, so encouraging just to
0: know somebody did, right?
1: Yes, yes. Just this last weekend, you know, our parish did a retreat that was for women. Um, and it was like literally just like a retreat on just becoming friends. The whole goal was just to become, meet people. Wow. And so we spent the whole that. weekend. The, it was amazing. The whole day was just like, we did like speed dating, but it was speed friendship. And they just <laughs> asked different questions and you rotated. And we we changed our small groups every time we got together. So you'd meet all these different women and there were some older women at the table and they said some things that just made me go, thank you. Thank you for saying <laughs> that, you know, like I'm going to be thinking about that for a while, you know, just things yeah. about, oh, back when I was in that stage, this was going on in my life. And now right. here I am. And it just gave me some new perspective. Um, and it was just beautiful to have that, um, you know, that intergenerational, I, I don't know, yeah. maybe they don't want me to say generational, but I mean, yeah,
2: it is. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they were
1: These are grandmas, you know, reflecting back and um, just gave me a lot of, I don't know, peace to go, okay, I'm doing okay. I'm going to be okay.
0: Yes. And I can tell you, like, uh, you know, in in recent years, I've been surprised sometimes to be like, oh, I'm... I'm the veteran mom in this group that's talking about this thing. Like, that's a little bit funny for me. But I'm realizing that I have so much to gain just from, you know, I don't have little kids anymore. And so I have so much to gain from just connecting with my friends who do in that different stage of life and remembering what those struggles are like. And I I can gain a lot by connecting with them and seeking ways that I can help support them, even if it's just having a conversation. So there's a lot to be gained on both ends there. So I think that your, your, your parish is really on under- to something. I love that they're doing that.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, I should give credit where credit's due. It's um Beth Shree. So Dr. Edward Shree's oh, of wife. of course. Of course it's Beth Shree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's the one who put it all together. And then on her team, she had Natalie Stefanik. So Chris Stefanik's oh g- Okay. Wife. Dream so, team in
0: your parish. Everybody has parish envy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're a little spoiled here I in Denver. Say. Um, I would yeah. say, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that is so great. Yeah. So if you, people, if you don't have that kind of community. Uh, Look for a way that you can help encourage it. Maybe go to your parish and ask for this kind of thing to go on and and be ready to volunteer your time, though, to actually make it happen. Um, So, Lisa, uh, let us know where we can find out more about the book. We're almost out of time here, but I want to be sure that people can, uh, of course, we'll have the link to Ascension Press where they can order it. Um, But where can people find you online? Are you on Instagram? Do Do you want them to go to your website to find more information? What's the best way?
1: Yeah, I mean the Ascension website is gonna be the best. That's where okay. it's got all the info. Um, but my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I'm yeah. at Lisa and Cotter and with no E. Um okay. I, I I tend to get overwhelmed when there's multiple platforms. So <laughs> if you really want to connect it is. Instagram's the place. Facebook gets lost. Yeah. Twitter I'm I'm overwhelmed by. Um and TikTok, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever figure that one out. No, I'm
0: not even gonna try. Not even gonna try. <laughs> Okay, so Lisa, I want to thank you for coming on Girlfriends today. Thank you for your yes, for all the ways that you are encouraging and supporting women, especially through this new book, Reveal the Gift, and the subtitle, wait, I've got it right here, Living the Feminine Genius, which is available from ascensionpress.com. Thanks so much for sharing here on Girlfriends.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight.
0: Coming up, I've got more of the show for you. But first, we're having a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista and a Baptist turned Catholic. As a Baptist, I thought that Catholic beliefs were invented, that they came out of nowhere and had no connection whatsoever to the Bible. I also happened to believe that the Old Testament was about rules, rituals, and sacrifices that the New Testament gave us permission to ignore for a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a long story, but as God began connecting the Old and New Testaments for me, I was stunned by the beautiful consistency of God in the Catholic Church. I can't tell you how exciting it was when God opened my eyes to the incredible ways the Old Testament foreshadows God's plan for the New Testament and for His Catholic Church. In my book, Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, I explain these amazing connections and I share how those connections helped change my life. If you read this book, I promise that you will come away with tools to help you share your Catholic faith easily, answer questions about how your Catholic faith fits with what's in the Bible and most importantly, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. If you're interested in learning more or ordering a copy of Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, you can do so at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon.
0: Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback. And if you have feedback for me, whether that's um you know a, your own take on something we've talked about here on the podcast or a question you'd like me to take up in this segment of the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So this week I heard from Deborah, and here's what Deborah said. Thank you for your podcast. I look forward to it each week, and I catch up on some of the older ones when I have the time. I have a question. I am a mom of three young kids. I work part-time as a nurse, and I really struggle with making the time to exercise. I do have the time, at least on most days, but I just can't seem to get myself out there to go for a run. I come up with a million excuses until it's too late, and then I promise myself I will run the next day and then I just do the whole thing all over again. I feel so dumb and I really get down on myself about this. Anything you can say to help motivate me would be so appreciated. Thank you, Deborah. Well, okay, Deborah, thank you so much first of all for your question. And um I do I, I do think as I was reading this and you're you're talking about like trying to get yourself out there to go for a run, one thing that occurred to me was maybe running is not your thing. Like maybe it has been your thing and that's why you equate running with exercise, but maybe right now it's not your thing. Maybe there's something else that you would enjoy more and avoid less. (laughs) Maybe it would mean, you know, taking a class or or doing something online or a different kind of exercise. And, you know, I'll remind you that going for a walk counts as exercise and, and it might be, you know, starting there. Maybe if going for a run just feels too overwhelming or too challenging for you. And that's part of your mental block toward doing it maybe just going for a walk instead and and starting there. That totally counts. That is exercise. That is physical movement. And ultimately, that's what our goal is. But maybe consider some other form of exercise might be more something that would be something that you would enjoy at this stage in your life. And don't limit yourself to thinking it has to be a run or it's nothing. Like Open yourself up to some other ways. And there might be something that you would enjoy more um, maybe even something that you haven't done before. Maybe consider trying a different kind of exercise. Um, then also, I would suggest that you partner with somebody. Um, maybe you want to go for a run with a girlfriend. Uh, but maybe, and I, I totally get this, if you if you don't like running with other people. I, I love running. And in varying ways, I've enjoyed running with other people through the years, um, especially with Dan or, or with some of my daughters. But th- that does introduce a new dynamic to your run. Like, whether you're going too fast or going too slow, whose pace are you going to go at? And um, some people are talkers while they run and other people aren't. So if you'd rather not just go for a run with a girlfriend, then maybe just partner with a friend who also has a goal of doing some regular exercise and you can check in with each other. You know, like at the start of the week, say my goal for this week is to go running three times and then check in with her, you know, when you've gone for your run or have her check in with you. Like, have you gone for your run yet? Or, you know, have her share what her goals are and as she's accomplishing them. And, you know, it might be fitness related for her. It might be some other thing, but look for kind of an accountability partner in that way, it can be really helpful, and it can motivate you. I know for years, I kind of shared on the on the Nike running app with another friend who was on there, we'd share our runs with each other It was super motivating, because then I'd say, Oh, she went for a run. Well, I guess I can try to do that too. And maybe a little little bit of a spirit of a competition there. But, um, (laughs) you know, find out what motivates you in that way. And even if it's just checking in with somebody and sharing your goals with somebody else, and it might be sharing your goals and checking in with your husband. He might, you know, be the person that can kind of check in with you and you can share with him and he can help to celebrate the times when you do accomplish what you set out to do. All right, then finally, I want to suggest rewarding yourself. Now, if you're running for physical fitness, maybe rewarding yourself with cookies afterwards is not what you want to do. But maybe you do want to reward yourself with some new workout clothing, which, you know, if you're going, if say like, if I'm regular about my running routine for two weeks, I could buy um, a, a new pair of shorts or, you know, whatever. Maybe that would motivate you or maybe kind of motivating you with what you enjoy. You you enjoy listening to podcasts. Well, then maybe you only listen to podcasts when you're going for a run or maybe your favorite one you'll you'll save to listen um, when you go for a run. Or maybe there's like a Netflix show that you really love and you're going to tell yourself I won't allow myself to Watch that show until I've gone for my run for the day. Um, you know, find something like that that can work as a reward for you, whether it's a reward you get while you're running, if you're listening to a podcast you enjoy while you're running, or something you get after the fact. Maybe you really enjoy reading and you're, you're going to say, I only make time to read when I've gone for my run. And one way to kind of think about this is like, what, what are you doing instead? Like say you, you said you do have the time. It's not really about finding the time to go for a run. You say you do most days think that you have the time, but you just can't get yourself out there. What are you doing instead? Are you sitting and just scrolling through your phone? Or um, are you talking to a friend? Or are you reading a book? Or what, what are you doing instead of going for your run? Maybe that's the thing that you need to kind of reward yourself to kind of give yourself that motivation. Okay, and then the last thing I lied, I said that was the last thing. But then I thought it something else. Do it first thing. I really recommend this for whatever you're trying to fit in your days doing it first thing before other things creep up, because there's always other things. There's always an excuse. There's always some other thing that's going to be a worthwhile use of your time instead of that thing that you're trying to avoid. Do it first thing in the morning as much as reasonably possible. Just get out there and do it before you have the opportunity to argue with yourself or come up with all those excuses for why you're not able to do it right then. So do it first thing in the morning as much as reasonably possible. I don't know what your schedule is, if that can work for you. But that's something that can really help with whatever it is that you're trying to fit in your day. Getting it done first is the way of making sure whatever it is that's a priority for you is actually getting done each day. Well, maybe some other people have some ideas for how to make exercise a regular habit. What's worked for you? I would love to hear from you and be able to share it with Deborah. You can email me danielle at daniellebean.com. That's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Your presence here at the podcast is truly encouraging to me. I love that we're able to connect here and build our girlfriends community in this way. I love all the ways that you interact with me outside of the podcast, whether it's through social media or Voxer or sending me emails. I'm so grateful for that. And mostly, I'm just grateful that you show up. It is truly a gift to me to be able to connect with you right here through the podcast each week. I do not take that for granted. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week.